Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I am here, as always, with my buddy Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. How are you doing? It's, it was a long weekend. Do you my have any- goodness. Mary Catherine, yes, it was a long weekend, and I'm still recovering. So went up for a birthday. Every day is a yes. recovery day for Vic. For me, it is. Went up to New Jersey for another birthday dinner, but I insist this one is not for me. I insisted. This is not about me. This is my father, whose birthday was last month, but it was the only time we can get the date to work out. So, Well, there was a full month of Vic Fest in there. Priorities first. You know, it's only my dad's 85th birthday. It's not a big deal. And so I want to give a special shout out to Charlie's of Lincroft, which is the restaurant. And that's where we had this big celebration for a lot of our family, a couple of my dad's friends. And it was great because my brother-in-law arranged... Uh, arranged it so that we could have their wine cave private room all to ourselves, which was fantastic. And he was able to do this because, well, he has his inside connections. You see, my brother-in-law works for the construction company that also owns the restaurant. Ah. Which I'm sure you're thinking, I know what you're thinking. How very, how very, that happens a lot in my state of North Carolina as well. I do want to say this. It's not what you think, although they also own a landfill. Unreal. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's all, it's all great. It's all great. And we mm-hmm. had a great time. I'll tell you this. I got so excited because we had our own private bartender. Oh, you know, nice. so, so like to, before you even sit down, you know, I'm like, what am I going to drink? Of course, I'm drinking martinis. And let's just say I took full advantage of her. The bartending. I mean, <laughs> and the, her, she's, she was lovely. She was a lovely bartender and took full advantage of her bartending skills. And she was a very, she made very gr- good martinis. And then at some point though, because we're younger, you know, relatively speaking, obviously, we're like, you know, I don't know. I've been standing around drinking for a while. And my brother-in-law is like, you know, your dad's yawning over there. Maybe we should move to the dinner table. I'm like, oh, yeah, we've been up here for an hour drinking. Yeah. But, you know, that, but that's what you and I do. We could do this forever. Just stand yes. and drink, you know. Yeah, no, you got to, but you got to pay attention to the 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 man who gets one night of party yeah. for his 85th The one night, yes. It's only one night. So it's an, all right, everybody, let's go. Let's, and, you know, and it was like a way late night for eating for him for everybody he said he had indigestion i had indigestion everybody you know it is it is what it is but i do want to say it so that i was recovering from then and of course as we were recording this today is fat tuesday so happy fat tuesday oh that's right do you do anything for fat tuesday or is that more of a uh, you know what it uh, well so i i give up something for lent usually not so much I mean, it is part of a religious observance, but I am not Catholic, so it's a different yes. kind of thing. But evangelicals will do this as well. We Protestants sometimes casually dabble in such yes, things. Yes. And so I usually give up something for Lent to test myself a little bit. Yeah. And therefore, on Fat Tuesday, sometimes, you know, whether, whether I'm giving up Coca-Cola or carbs or whatever, what have you, I you will ha- indulge in that. that on that day. Unfortunately... I have some sad news, which is that I'm going to have Lent imposed upon me this year. Why? By my baby. I think we talked in another episode about how we're fussy babies and gassy babies. One could give up some of their diet. A breastfeeding mom. Because you're passing it on. Could give up a few things. And I was like, I'm not doing that. This is my fourth baby. I'm just going to barrel through here I am on six weeks of not sleeping, and it occurred yeah. to me, maybe I could give up dairy. <gasps> could I? 
So I did it for like a day and a half and my baby had a much better night's sleep. Wow. And now I'm like, oh no, my because <laughs> yeah, no, my approximately daughter was, 87% yeah, my daughter was of like, my yeah. approximately 87% of my diet is dairy. I mean it's like Okay. All right. Well, hold on. So first of all, yeah, my daughter, when she was a newborn, awful sort of acid reflux, you know, that sort of thing spinning up constantly. So if it's dairy, can you take dairy substitutes? What what, what do people drink? Oat milk, almond milk, stuff like that? Well, so a bunch of, I told my friends and a lot of them have been through this. And so they're all piping up with suggestions for Mm -hmm. me. I've heard oat milk is not terrible, but really like I'm on the real stuff, Vic, like uncut. So not even like we're not talking about sheep or goat, cow. We're talking about not just cow's milk, like heavy cream is what I use Uh, in most things. Okay, this is no joke. I don't blame you. I I like it. This is no joke. So it's hard to substitute for that. And kind of at that point, it's like you might as well not. However, my my friend Kelly yeah. who is a has a small farm out in Colorado. She has goats. And she informed me of something I had forgotten. By the way, you can follow her on Instagram at Real Best Life, and it's adorable, and there's baby goats right now. So go go forth and watch the baby goats on Instagram. But she has goats, and she informed me of something I've forgotten, which is that goat's milk does not have the same enzymes that bother humans yes. as, as cow's milk does. So... If I am going to substitute with anything, it will be ghost milk. And she's actually getting some cheeses ready for me to send so that I can enjoy goat cheese and enjoy some goat cheese. And she makes because she makes it herself. We think of goat cheese as just this one particularly tart kind of cheese that you find in the grocery store. It's very distinct. You can use goat's milk to make all kinds of cheeses. So she has a variety that she produces. And so I will have a, I have a supplier, Vic, is what I'm saying. I have <laughs> you a know, supplier. You're going to have to bring it into the studio sometime and we'll have to we'll do a little tasting. Oh man, it is, it's something else. There's, there's something to be said for the fresh off the farm. Yes. I, I hope we don't, maybe one day, maybe 10, 15 years from now, I'll be able to live my own real best life. Someday. 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 Well, someday. While this long weekend was happening, when I was making the devastating decision to give up dairy, my two older children were on an adventure with their grandparents. We met halfway and dropped them off with the grandparents and also did a little bit of exploring in Richmond halfway down. For the extended, uh, because that's the extended weekend. Yes. So we stopped off at the Children's Museum in Richmond. I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I, I carined out a little bit, just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit, because the Children's Museum in Richmond had a policy online that said it was going to enforce masking on unvaccinated over five. Oh, come on. You got And I thought, surely that's not a real thing. But I almost didn't go because I'm like, well, I'm not going to go if that's the situation. And I almost didn't go, but I decided, okay, let's check it out because I, I don't believe that this is a real thing in 2023 in Virginia. Right. So we go and sure enough, it's not enforced. There's no... It's just a remnant on the website. Yes. So masks are like encouraged, but nobody's wearing them. So we go. And at the end, I I made myself talk to the woman at the front desk and say, hey, like we almost didn't come for this reason. So you might want to normalize the old website. But the way I started it was by saying, your website looks like it has a rule for a pretty heavily enforced masking policy. Yes. And this is why you have to be the Karen you want to see in the world, okay? 
Not the change you want to see. The Karen you want to see. Because when I started that sentence, the trepidation I saw in her eyes, because uh, she was sure I was going to berate her for them yeah. not enforcing the policy. Oh, that's wow. what she thought, because that's the those yes. are the only people they hear from. And yeah, that's right. And the woman you were talking to, I assume, was not masked herself. She was not. She was yeah. not. I chose the unmasked one to speak with yes, at the desk. Good. Smart. And and I just said, like, hey, we almost didn't come, so this might be something that if it's outdated, you should nix because other families might decide that a children's yep. museum that's masking their kids is not the best experience for them. But I that moment where she got scared, I thought, oh my gosh, this is what this is what the other side thrives yeah. on. Yeah, they live right? on, yeah, they live for that. So, so there I, must have been such a look of relief when you she finally was, I was turned like, the corner I was like, oh, no, no, face. you misunderstand. That's This is good for me. However, it would have been bad for me the other way around. So, yeah. you know, you might want might not want to create barriers to people paying to come to your children's museum. So Now, you've mentioned the children's museum before, Mary Catherine, and I'm sort of intrigued. Is it like a collection of like a museum of like old toys or is it interactive? <laughs> I'm just, it's it's on a legitimate question. No, so children's museums, there's a real spectrum on oh, quality okay. of children's museums. Sure, okay? you've so, seen different cities. So there are museum. certain places that are have highly reputable ones. Boston is one that has a pretty good one. Oh. I've heard good things about Richmond's. It was not gigantic or anything, and it was a little bit, I would say, like a little young for my kids. They had the sort mm -hmm. of, this one had the kind of interactive, we have a little bitty grocery store. We have a little bitty restaurant where you can serve fake food. We have... A little oh, bitty bank. So it was like a little town that they it's could like a explore. Little, a town, oh yeah, for little people, shall we say. Yes. So they could explore this town and do the things that adults do, which is Got kind it. of like just taking them on errands. But they, they enjoyed interesting. it. Okay. They enjoyed it. The Children's Museum I talk the most about is the one in my hometown, which is insanely good. But it owns like 28 acres of land uh -huh. and has you know, half a zoo and a train and a dinosaur trail. I mean, it's like everything. It's kid That's, heaven. Yeah. This was not that. So, you know, maybe don't raise the bar so high with the masking, huh? Huh? <laughs> well, it sounds better that I imagine it would be like, you know, dusty old toy soldiers. Like you, know, you look at them through the glass. No. Like this is what the kids <laughs> hey, played with back in the 1800s. I have been to some, I've taken my kids to some vintage stores that resemble that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And last for my weekend, because we had two children, it was basically a vacation for us. I was like, see how this works? You add children, and then two children is like a Two is suddenly easy? That's, yeah. yeah. Okay. So my husband and I watched a movie, like actually sat down and watched a movie in the evening, and we watched The Menu, which I would- Oh, yes, of course. Which I would recommend. Yes. It's not- it's it's categorized under horror, but it's to, it's one it of my is, it's, it's one of my favorite genres, which is like it's sort of like dark thriller, dark comedy, dark comedy. combined. Yeah, it is very dark. It's a little gruesome, but I would not say overly gruesome if you're bothered by that kind of thing. Well, they're uh, surrounded by very sharp knives. Yes, something's gonna happen. But I thought it was super clever and fun. Yes, I, I mentioned this. A long time ago on my other podcast, The Sub Beacon, the one that I used to be on. Yes. And Don, it was really based on the, the chef consultant for this movie was Dominique Crenn out of San Francisco. And she is a, extremely talented, kind of borderline. Well, I mean, if you're in that business and you're really, really good, 
there's certainly a level of obsessive compulsion that you have in order to make it at that level, I think. And, uh, you know, from the French Laundry, Thomas Keller is very much like this. And Domina Crenn is like this. Her menus are like poems. You don't actually know what you're getting. So, you know, I mean, people go there for the experience and you could see that reflected at least elements of that and El Bouilly as well from Spain in this movie about really taking it to that next level. Did you identify with any of the customer, the guests in this movie? Let's see. I feel like... The girl, because you're the only normal one there. I mean, probably. so I would have been a little a little on the normal side, but more than, more than she was capable of, I would have been along for the ride in the early part and been like, yeah, I'm here for this. Do your weird thing. I'm, yeah. I like the theater. Mm-hmm. Of course, it takes a turn. So I would have been somewhere in the middle of the snooty guy who brought her and because I, I did I want to appreciate what's going on even yes. if it's absurd <laughs> and some of it is going to be absurd but I, I closer to the normal chick that's for sure the with a dash the, of tech bro yeah <laughs> those guys are the worst they definitely had it coming to them okay the boyfriend of the normal girl right he is the suck up and yes. social media obsessive taking pictures of all the food there were moments where I thought to myself, oh, I hope I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? Because it's really kind of really obnoxious. But then I spotted my guy, which was the editor of The Food Critic. So The Food oh, Critic there you is go. there. With the and he has this line at the end, oh, just the magazine's got this, just expense it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. That is you, yes. And it's just, you know, a complete whatever. Anyway, oh. that was it was too close for comfort. Too close. Did no. Steve like it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was actually a little surprised that it that it didn't, get any oscar nods it's oh. well acted it's well, ray finds it's so interesting good. it's yeah. original yeah i guess maybe the horror aspect of it is considered too low brow for the oscars for or something oscars. i don't yeah, know i don't know if i can't think of last time like a horror but i, I recommend it to everyone partly because you'll see some of the write-ups and they're like oh this skewers capitalism or whatever and it's like well sure but it also it's also skewering elites so there's something there for yeah. everyone they're they're yeah, oh totally Totally. The, and then, of course, the very end, the simplicity and beauty of a burger. Yeah. Did it make you, was it like your mouth was watering? It looked so oh, good. Oh, I was it? on board for that. Uh, because the girl end. searches for her. When was the last time Ray Fiennes' chef well, character don't was get, ever happy? Spoil it, Vic. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to okay, cut you this, out. This movie's been, this is ready and streaming. It's been around for a hey, long time. Okay. Our audience yeah. includes a lot of probably moms. Who are like six months behind? This is my oh, six month true. behind movie review. That's true. That's true. Okay. Also, I shouldn't. I shouldn't give away that in the crying game, the girl's a guy. Yeah. No. No. Just in case. Sorry. I hear the sixth the sense has sinks. a twist as well. There's a twist at the end, right? First of all, this is not a, okay. Anyway, go ahead. All Sorry. right. Let's move on to the news. It turns out things have taken a turn. In East Palestine, Ohio, which is where the the train went off the rails and contributed to this, you know, huge chemical leak and then a fire that was a controlled burn to try to keep things as safe as possible. But it looks very, very bad. Hey, guys, so I'm here at Leslie Run and there's dead worms and dead fish all throughout this water. So, something I just discovered is that if you scrape the creek bed, it's like chemical is coming out of the ground. Can, can you show? Can you come here? 
and, and let me just show this to people. I don't know if you're going to see this on camera, but watch this. Just see that chemical pop out of the creek. This is disgusting. And the fact that we have not cleaned up the, the, the train crash, the fact that these chemicals are still seeping in the ground is an insult to the people who live in East Palestine. Do not forget these people. We've got to keep applying pressure. That's how we're going to fix this problem. Thank you. That happened on February 3rd. It is now late February. And to my mind, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Vic, but it feels like finally there is a lot of mainstream attention on this story. The EPA and CDC have descended on Ohio. The FEMA, FEMA reversed a decision that it was not going to give aid, saying that it wasn't a natural disaster, so it didn't qualify. They've now reversed on that, so they will be sending some aid. The Norfolk Southern CEO came to Ohio, and then Trump announced he was coming to Ohio. Or actually, that, that order may have been reversed. And I do think Trump has a way of making those political moves that make others jump to jump on a story that's maybe being neglected. So the status right now is that people are no longer evacuated from their homes. They've, they've come back. And I want to read a little bit from the New York Times yeah. reporting on this, which I think characterizes the big problem with all this is like a real right problems with our culture and and our crisis of competence and confidence combined. Mm -hmm. This is headlined many in East Palestine skeptical of official tests seek out their own. When a team came by the morning of Valentine's Day to test the air quality in Maggie Guglielmo's store a few blocks from where a freight train carried carrying hazardous chemicals derailed last month. This month, the smell was undeniable. Quote, the air monitoring team left within 10 minutes due to the unpleasant slash overwhelming odor. The team of government and private environmental experts wrote in its, in its report, describing a, quote, super glue pool fruity-like odor. But there was no detection of significant amounts of vinyl chloride, a colorless gas carried by the train, or other toxic chemicals. The woman who owns this shop that they were doing this test at, she was not satisfied. Instead, she paid $900 to an independent contractor to analyze the air in her store, Wristbands America, and was planning to pay to test her inventory of silicone bands. The sickly plastic smell still lingers inside and clings to the creek sulfur run a few feet from her door. door. And she says she's not take, taking chances, and she does not trust the results from these tests. The, the government... And this is part of the problem. The government, in concert with North, North, Norfolk Southern, which is the company that was in charge of the train, has been testing and saying everything is A-OK, -okay, that water is OK, that the air is OK. But look, I do not blame people when they see a giant plume of smoke over their town for days and days and they see some dead animals and yeah. they feel throat irritation for being a little concerned about this. That's right. So like in general, I get a little wary when I hear cable news talking heads asking people, you know, from places like East Palestine, how are you feeling? You know, do you have a headache? Do you have any, do you have any rashes, dizziness? Because, you know, again, these people are not doctors, they're talking heads and you may have dizziness or runny nose or sore throat because you have a cold. We don't right. know that. That said, it's a pretty bad situation and it's not surprising that these people are not fully embracing any government or media reassurances, particularly government, about it's safe to come back. And what do we do with the water? Would I want to come back if I was from East Palestine? Would I want to 
drink, would you drink the water at this point? You know, I, I don't, I don't think so. And if you can smell it, I think that's an issue. You know, the vinyl chloride, the phosgene. If you think about ground, remember ground zero after 9-11, yeah. the whole city can smell it. And what were the after effects? And the worst part is, you know, some of these things, not that we have answers to this, but I mean, some of these things could take 5, 10, 15, 20 years to find out, right? Well, and uh, they've also, yeah. they've also, and this is something that, you know, people who don't, people who call people who are skeptical conspiracy theorists reflexively never note that, for instance, they've already been lied to. Yeah. It turns right. out there were that's, more chemicals on the train than they first admitted. Mm -hmm. And then they, they amended that statement. The CEO, by the way, coming to visit had checked the box and had, had something to say about the misinformation floating around. And it's like, okay, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Maybe, maybe take responsibility for this situation and don't be, oh, pardon the pun, gaslighting these people who are in this yeah. town with a giant plume of smoke. Do we know if it's true that the, the company was going around offering $1,000 checks and you had to sign a waiver and not to take any legal action against Norfolk Southern? Do you remember that was in the news? But I don't know if I that have, was ever verified. I have not seen that in the mainstream yeah. reporting today. Yeah. So, But, but okay. one of the strange things, of course, was in the first three or four days after this accident happened, there was very little coverage and very little comment, certainly not from the federal government, not from our Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. Which is basically yeah. unmentioned in the New York Times coverage, by the way. Yeah. No, I mean, he's finally getting to it now. And you mentioned Trump going there to visit. Is he going to end up beating out Biden and Buttigieg to go to East Palestine? Because, you know, again, it's a very uh, smart move for uh, Trump. Not to be cynical about it. I'm sure he cares. But, you know, it, it, for him, it, for, for, for former President Trump and his nascent campaign, it's a move. But it's unclear how much he can accomplish other than creating a lot of awareness and publicity. It's not like he's going to be like, okay, let me put a good word in with, you know, the folks in the administration. No, but I, so do tight, think, you know? I do think he has a way of spurring yeah. others to action because they don't, indirect way. they don't want at all Trump to get any credit for caring or right. for being there first. So I think that can have, that can have a quickening yeah. influence on these, on these guess, responses sometimes. I, but I did. That's that's the thing about this. I did think it was odd that when you have this devastating cloud floating over Ohio, that it did take several weeks before yeah. it was covered nationally in any sort of rigorous way. I remember the photos being posted on Twitter and people, you know, in the area. They don't even look real. They're no, so devastating. They're so devastating. It's like this giant mushroom cloud going up in the sky. And people are like, shouldn't we be worried about this? And what's, is anyone doing anything about it? And there was silence. And then finally oh. it picked up. And to the skepticism point. Yeah. The same people who told you you need to wear an N95 in every building you've ever been in for the yeah. past three years in yeah. order to be truly safe. Or who tell you that the tiny amounts of gas coming from your stove inside your house yeah. are reason to consider banning the manufacturing of such stoves in the future also tell you that this giant plume means nothing. Yeah. And I just think that defies common sense. Like people look at that and they smell the air and they go, I don't know, man, 
that is a reasonable that is a reasonable reaction. I you think about I, you think about people are trying to sell a home or property in East Palestine. Do you think anyone wants to come back there now? You know, one, and especially woman, when you worry about what happens with the soil. One woman who's moved out because several families have gone to neighboring states yeah. to stay who have been interviewed to stay with their parents because they've got young children. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if, if I had young children, I would be genuinely concerned about this. Yeah. Certainly more than I was about putting N95s on my toddlers. I would be concerned. So some people yeah. have moved out and one woman noted, like, I feel really bad for my landlord, but we can't be there. We we have yeah. to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that is going to be part of this as well. So there's going to be that, rela- relocation of folks. That That makes more sense than a lot of people sort of like, you know, wearing masks in their cars and things like that outside. Again, I can't help but think about my own hometown of Tom's River, New Jersey, right? And I've mentioned this on the show before. You know, it was home for many, many years to the Sibagagi medical chemical plant, which was right in the middle of, you know, suburbia. And they contaminated the soil where people were getting their well water. And it became a huge cancer cluster. You know, all the rare stuff, neuroblastoma. One of my best friends, Steve Rushford, who was a doctor, he was from that neighborhood. He grew up there. And I remember he even protested with his family when they learned that phosgene was being, the same chemical, was being processed at the site. And, you know, he died of a very rare cancer, signet ring cell carcinoma. And the plant closed in 1996. Steve died in 2016. But that's 20 years later, and we don't know. And now I can tell you lots of other people I know who have died of cancer from Tom's River. And if any listeners are more interested in this, check out Dan Fagan's amazing book, Tom's River, which won an award to learn more. But it just, you know, anytime I think about what's happening in East Palestine, I'm just like, beware. And people should be more concerned about it than they are. So. Yeah. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, who's a Republican, said he's requested medical experts to come in from the CDC yeah. so that they can deal with people's concerns about this because... There is, and like you said, you should be wary of this because it could be all sorts of things. It's very hard to determine causality here, yeah. but he is, he does want people evaluated and people are going in with rashes and headaches and throat irritation. But I didn't think that DeWine's quote was great here. We know the science indicates that this water is safe. The air is safe. I I would caution against using the science trademark yes. as once your again, reassurance. Fo- once again, to follow everyone. the science. Yeah, after after all this time, but oh, it does. It's nice to see that people seem to be getting a little exercised about this at this point. That's right. On the other side of the world, Joe Biden out and about in Kiev. I'm saying it in between how people want you to say it. I'm not. I'm not committing to either one. I'm not committing to Kiev, and I'm not committing to Kiev. I'm like something in the middle. Kiev. Biden goes on a secret trip to Kiev. He met up with the president there of Kiev, who's, why am I forgetting his name? Because I haven't slept in six weeks. Zelensky. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) My lovely co-host with the save. We're all here for each other. We're here for each other. You and all Ukrainians, Mr. President, remind the world every single day what the meaning of the word courage is. All sectors of your economy, all walks of life. It's astounding. Astounding. Remind us that freedom is priceless. It's worth fighting for for as long as it takes. And that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes. 
All right. So this is National Review writing about it. President Biden's secret visit to wartime Kiev is an example of America in its finest tradition. New York Times reports that after a transatlantic flight to Poland, Mr. Biden crossed the border by train, traveling for nearly 10 hours to Kiev, as other American officials have in recent months. This trip to guts is the take from this particular writer. Others, this is a strange sort of reversal of political roles where Republicans are mad that Biden's not at an ecological disaster in Ohio and Democrats are like lauding him for being right. in Ukraine. <laughs> it's great foreign policy achievement. Yes. Right. Look, I always like a the, the sort of the intrigue of a secret trip. Those are hard to pull off. They can they the logistics, the logistics. It can be a hair, a bit of a harrowing thing. I do think that people aren't crazy to go well, why doesn't he go here? And he goes here. You know, I think that's yeah. a fair thing. Even I, again, in for the cause in Ukraine under, I understand the import. However, I don't think people are out of line for being like, Hey, maybe a little, maybe a little attention over here too. Right. Or t- whether it be East Palestine or the border. Yes. So we don't, we don't know. Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's like, it's like getting a surprise visit from your, uh, from, a, from your grandparent or something, you know, who, who wouldn't love that, you know, Quit, break out the Edmonds. Or that the tin, the tin of really dry Danish cookies that just oh, says yes. Danish cookies on it, which mm-hmm. I believe probably from, I'm going to say they're from Passaic, New Jersey. I don't know where they're, I'm going to assume they're not directly from Denmark. If they are, I'm very disappointed in Denmark. But no, I do think also I agree. It is a good thing. I think they just agreed on another weapons aid package, something like $460 million, defensive systems, anti-armor units, things like that. Still no airplanes. That's the big thing that Zelensky has been clamoring for for a very long time. Ford policy experts, as they are, worried that that is a, a game changer, in, but possibly in a bad way, because then Putin takes that as an escalation gone too far right. and will retaliate in some other way that we might not want. I don't know. I, all I know is that, you know, Russia has a ton of ammunition. Even if they don't have precision guided munitions, they're still using everything they, they, they've got, including from Iran. And we're anticipating, I believe, a new offensive on February 24. Yeah, which, again, there's there's risk in this trip, given that kind of information, right? This is an active war zone. The president of the United States was inside the Russian WEZ, the weapons engagement zone, the entire trip. And he he stood with Zelensky. It says, one year later, Kiev stands as, and Ukraine stands, democracy stands. So I... It is a moving thought that this this thing that we thought was going to this country thought was going to topple within days and that Russia thought was going to topple. That's exactly within days, right. Remains standing. I do think I'm like I I'm so I'm so squishy in the middle on this. I do think that some talking to the American people about our commitment there and what it looks like and how long it lasts mm-hmm. and how much it costs I think is important. And presidents don't do nearly enough of this, whether it's money or boots on the ground, just convincing people that this is the right tack and that yeah. there's a reason for us to be invested there. Yeah. It's sort it's really taken for granted. And I don't think that that's a good way to gain people's lasting support for these yeah. things. No. So I wish there were more of that. Right. And again, as you were saying, a year ago this week. And we thought, oh, this is it. It's going to, you know, there's, they, go, they can only last for so long because Putin's forces are just too overwhelming. But again, there is a difference between the quantity of force and the quality of the force, not to mention the morale 
and in Ukrainian resolve. And, 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 and the West really got its act together in even countries like Germany that were traditionally opposed to any sort of engagement, military engagement, it turned around. Now the actual delivery of things like the Leopard tanks has taken obviously a lot longer, but it's, it's, it's a big pivot for them. And if they were worried about countries like, you know, in Scandinavia joining NATO, well, it's happened. Right. They caused it. We have a wonderful essay, if listeners want to check out in the free beacon, by the way, by Stephen Kotkin from Stanford, Hoover, Univers- Hoover Institution. It's on a, a book review of the, the great, the famous Russian ge- general Kutuzov who defeated Napoleon. But he sort of writes this review in sort of the larger view of the battle over Ukraine over the last several hundred years. One of the things he says in it is that Putin has done more to boost Ukrainian patriotism and nationalism <laughs> than Stalin ever did. No, so, it, it seems it seems quite clear, and yeah. they have done brave and amazing things defending their country. And I've never understood the argument that that we should just allow for a peace deal that would give away large pieces of land that Russia just took, and how that doesn't end badly for everyone because it sends the message that you can just take this land. I don't I don't know sure, how that but works. We're, but we're but we're pretty certain he'll stop there. Right, right. He just wants to annex yeah. this little no, no, no. this area. And all while this is happening, also China is watching. That's the big thing as well. Yes. So yeah. All right. You know, they're censoring again, Vic. It, it not you mean in the Soviet Union. No, no, no. no. no the United yeah. States. One, one would expect. No. Oh. This is the UK and the United States. Uh, oh, this lovely. is about Roald Dahl's books. Are you a Roald Dahl fan? Well, I mean, okay. Do, have I read Roald Dahl? <laughs> no. Have I seen the fantastic Mr. Fox and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, both iterations? Yes. Okay. okay. However, am I a fan of Roald Dahl? The person absolutely not. Yes. Uh, he's, right. he's extremely, f- quite detestable. But. Famously, not a great guy. No. No, uh, not not a, a nice a man, vow, not a nice I believe, father. I believe in a vowed anti-Semite. Vowed. Uh, no, he's not yeah. a closet anti-Semite. He's out there. Yes. yes. He's out there. Yeah. Um, but that said, right. go ahead. So I, what happened? I am a fan of Roald Dahl's books. Let's, mm-hmm. let's clarify. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorites are Fantastic Mr. Fox and The Witches, which was ah, the yes. scariest thing I had ever mm-hmm. encountered when I read it when I was about nine years old. It scared the crap out of me. And then I read it to my children and they were like, this is no big deal, mom. And that weirded me out. But anyway, oh, that's so maybe, sad. maybe it's because they live with me. Anyway, they've had a lot of exposure. So, so Funny. I really enjoy Roald Dahl, especially as a kid. Now rereading things as an adult, I don't like him as much. I don't like the books as much as I did as a child, but that's partly because when you're a child, you're into gross out humor and grotesque representations and very cartoonish villains who are very obviously the people you're supposed to dislike. And you're told all of the reasons you're supposed to dislike them both physically and spiritually. Right. So what's happening now is that new editions of the works of Roald Dahl, the best-selling British novelist whose children's classics include Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda and James and the Giant Peach have been rewritten in an effort to make them less offensive and more inclusive, according to a representative from the author's estate. Ten of 19 children's books have been altered in some way, somewhat surreptitiously over the last couple of years, it seems like. Dahl died in 1990. A review of the author's works began in 2020, before Netflix acquired the role Dahl Story Company, which manages the author's copyrights and trademarks. A company spokesman had this to say, 
our guiding principle throughout has been to maintain the storylines, characters, and the irreverence and sharp-edged spirit of the original text. Let me tell you, the sharp-edged spirit is not retained. It's not retained. <laughs> In fact, if you did retain it, that would be against the mission they claim they're going. Like, yes. These are inherently gross descriptions of people. That's right. the whole point of them. I said on Twitter, if you take the mean out of Roald Dahl, there's nothing left. That's right. Like there's, That's right. There's Matilda reading a book. There's your book. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, Salman Rushdie called this absurd, I believe. Yes, thank goodness. Uh, and I, I mentioned whoever presides over his estate, the Roald Dahl estate, they, they were perfectly fine with having woke editors sort of retcon his books, right? I mean, yeah. this is not being done on the sly per se. It's not like, you know, I mean, I, it's the kind of thing that you hope, you know, whoever presides over, you know, the works of Mark Twain, for example, yes, is not going to have somebody retcon Huck Finn. If One you don't hope. like it, don't read it yeah. is all, you know, I mean, really what it comes down to. So yes, the, all, all, all most mentions of the word fat are gone. Right, Augustus Gloop is now enormous because it yes. sounds somehow much better. You, uh, the, the witches, which you just mentioned, there's the, the, not only have they excised text, but they've added yes. text, including into the witches. Right, and it's it's neutered text. It's like insane. it's so it's so bad. I'm I'm perhaps most offended by the fact that they took good, interesting writing and made it bad, bland writing, and I think. Probably Dull himself would be pretty upset about that. But there there are things where there's to very comfort people to make people less triggered. Is that is that what's going on here? Well, yeah, that's it. It's supposed oh. to make the books more accessible to everyone. By the way, the British Prime Minister chimed in on this as Dahl is a, you know, revered yes. writer of the UK and says we shouldn't gobble funk with words, which is one of one of Dahl's sort of nonsense creations of a word, I believe, nice. from the BFG. And yeah, I just think this is so not good. It's so not good. The the chief executive of PEN America, which is a, a free speech organization, yes. said those who might cheer specific edits to Dahl's work should consider how the power to rewrite books might be used in the hands of those who do not share their values and sensibilities. Please wake up to this idea, liberals. Please. Yeah. Please notice what's going on. A few of the changes I'll, they they mention here. Let's see. In James and Giant Peach, Aunt Sponge is no longer terrifically fat and tremendously flabby at that, but is instead a nasty old brute and deserved to be squashed by the fruit. Aunt Spiker, previous de previously described as thin as a wire and dry as a bone, only drier is now, in relation to Aunt Sponge, much of the same and deserves half the blame. Nope. Much no. of the same what? Nasty how? Don't, don't. We don't know now. Now it just, you know, it's 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 just cryptic. Yeah, it's it's not good. Oh, and my my least favorite change, I think maybe, is that Matilda's character now reads Jane Austen instead of Rudyard Kipling. Just oh, switch that stop. one. So we're sort of are we are we canceling Rudyard Kipling by mm -hmm. Extension here? Is that what yeah. we're doing? Oh, yeah. Go Rudyard Kipling, because he hasn't been accepted in a very long time. Why don't they just go right to Ibram X. Kendi? Why don't they just say that? Just jump like, just have cut him, to the have chase. Him, have him rewrite Charlie the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this, again, if you don't like it, don't read it. But this is what he wrote. And whoever, whatever way you write it is the way you wrote it. That's the way you want it. Yeah. And that's the way, you know, nobody has that power to come in 
shouldn't have the power to come in and say, well, we're going to change it because we don't like what you had to say. And these, it's still going to have your name on it, but now we're going to, well, I don't know, like, like in very 1984, we're just going to just yeah, we're cut disappear it. out. Yeah. And just put it down that little memory hole vacuum. It's gone. I'm glad that you mentioned some of the reactions because I wanted to ask, does anyone care? You know? Yes. I was, I was glad to see that a lot of people who are prominent did care because I was afraid it would just be like, oh my gosh, stop whining, you weirdos. Right, right, right. Uh, it was, so... yeah, these people were, it was, it was time that we, we need to work on our positive language. Because again, as Pen America says, you know, 20, 30 years down the line or whoever, however long, you may, other people may want to change what you just changed again and it will be constantly being changed to us, to, to fit the times. And that's not the whole purpose, that's not the purpose of these works. I want to read to you a, a quote from a, book a bookshop owner, okay? This is the other side of the debate. A bookshop owner in Britain. This is Ashley Booth, 33, owner of a new chapter of a new chapter books, which specializes in books from inclusive and diverse perspectives for schools, said the focus should be on promoting novels written by people with lived experiences or own voice stories. But here's her quote. There aren't that many books that people would need to get rid of. Most of what's been published is fine, but we've got to get keep new stuff rolling in. As a primary school teacher, oh. he said schools can, quote, help guide children through. That's a primary school teacher and book purveyor who thinks there aren't that many books that people would need to get rid of in order to satisfy our yeah. modern desire for inclusive language. And, 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 and the committee, the committee yeah. that I serve on will decide which ones. I'm sure. I'm That's sure Ashley funny. Booth will stop real soon with this. Like you, they'll, they'll, he'll be satisfied after this. Do you know when this started? Do you know when this all started, Mary Catherine? It all started when they changed the Star Wars scene where Han Solo shoots Greedo. Oh, in the in, in the creature true. cantina. That's when it started because all of a sudden they don't want to make it look like he shot him first, but then he shot in self defense. An act of aggression. It was. Preemption. That was the preemptive it was, strike. It was preemptive strike. We knew um, what he was going to do. I being me <laughs> and one of the people that the people who say this is no big deal will ridicule. I went to eBay and bought a set of hardback copies <laughs> of the originals so they can't sneak this adult adulterated stuff in on me. Are you telling me now if I go to Amazon and I purchase it now, it's going to have the new language in it? So it was unclear to me because they started making changes in 2020. Oh, no. Which edition was okay. So yeah. I went back to a 2018 edition Yeah, and said, send no. me those. Do you I think need, that- I need all the grotesque language in there. Do you think this makes them, the, the folks at the estate and who publishes, the people who publish Roald Dahl's books- Will it give them pause and say, hey, maybe we should go back to the original language? Or do you think it's too no, late? I think we're, just... We just battle is lost. Well, and outrage, the, but the battle is lost. I guess the question would be, how do you deal with this? Is there a way to deal with this through IP laws and trademark yeah. laws? Like, yeah. for instance, does it someone suggested on Twitter the other day, like, if you want to bastardize all this stuff, it should become public domain so that you can't make yeah. money off of it anymore? Yeah. Because they'll go, I mean, it's in their financial interest to go into a deal with Netflix or whomever mm -hmm. to get into bed with these folks who say, oh, no, these are the standards you have to meet. And then you right. meet the standards. Right. Right. And so I think ugh, I don't know how to fix that issue, but I, I do think I'm getting more red pilled on the idea that you have to build your own physical library at your home, which I was really liking the part where I got to 
have all my stuff live online and I didn't have to have it surrounding no. me all the time. But no, we could I mean, do this, that. Is, this, this, is, this is like Sonny Bunch's plea that you own your own movies because if it's just, you know, you own it online, that's not going to last forever. Same thing with music that you purchase online. I'm not convinced. I lose stuff all the time. You yeah. update, you know, I mean, just beware. It's best to own the actual physical until they burn it down, Mary Catherine, until they actually burn the books at 451 <laughs> degrees. Well, okay. Again, I also enjoy that removing adult material, like very sexual adult material from a children's library, for instance, yeah. in a public school is considered book banning, but changing, That's actively right. censoring the language of already written books for publication is not a problem. Like these are. <laughs> but that's that's exactly the other side's argument. I just saw that, you know, said, oh, so you're OK with book banning. But uh, God forbid we try to make, you know, the language more inclusive in old books. Mm. Uh, so, well, in one, you're obliterating the actual book. Yeah. In the other, you're saying maybe someone over 16 should be reading this book. To me, well, those are uh, different things. I think I th well, I think the difference is there are good books and there are bad books. I'll let right, you know. right. <laughs> luckily, luckily, people like you and I will never be the ones deciding which ones are good and bad. <laughs> the the language police will be on that because words are violent. Speaking of words being violent. Hey. I came across a piece from The Root, which celebrates improbably the slap heard around the world last year at the Oscars. We're coming up on the one year anniversary. So many uh, anniversaries. The invasion of Ukraine, the right. slap. Those were huge news stories. Yeah. So this is, I'll just read you the beginning of this. It's been one year since the world watched Will Smith slap the taste out of Chris Rock's mouth during the Oscars. The shocking moment, which many people assumed was part of a premeditated skit, sent shockwaves through Hollywood. Not only did people overwhelmingly sympathize with Rock, but they also painted Smith as a dangerously violent black man with an anger problem. However, looking at the infamous moment a year later, many have come to understand why Smith hit Rock. It's not about condoning violence, but words, especially ones that make black women the punchline, should have consequences. That's the whole you know, thesis of the piece. That's that, no, no, no that's, I was going to say, who is, remind us who the author is here. This is written by Candace McDuffie of The Root. That's which right. Is a, which is an African-American yeah. news site. Yeah, through uh, Slate, I think, or something like that. It's, I forget. Where, or the post, I forget where the root is. It's 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 a, it's, a, it's it's a subsidiary. Or yeah, I think it's with Yahoo now. Yeah, Yahoo. Okay, so I read this piece, waiting for the part where Candace McDuffie says, "Now this is not to condone violence or say that you know you know you should retaliate against words by physical violence." But she actually never gets there. No, and what you like just a, read like that was it. There's that like, was you you waiting for that moment and said, no, basically, you know, you tell a bad joke, you know, nothing funny about alopecia. Get up there, take action. He had it coming. That's it. I mean, this is the consequence of if words are violence, yeah. then violence is required to counter words. That's right. It's the its own logical conclusion. Nothing dangerous about that. Now, I think at the time of the slap, when you and I talked about it, first of all, props to Chris Rock because he was a total pro about handling yeah. it second of all i worry about will smith there's, there's something going on there yes third of yes all is, yes is a slap between two men the biggest deal in the world no like everyone survives mm -hmm. and walks away from this however it's one thing if you're running your mouth in a bar and you get jacked up right if you're yes. insulting someone's wife yeah. in a bar boom if you're a comedian on a stage 
Mm -hmm. And everyone in that room is there with the knowledge that you are there to make fun of people mm -hmm. and to make jokes. No, 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 no. Violence is not part of the equation. Yeah. I mean, it's not in the other situation either, but I'm saying I understand that interaction and a yeah, justification I mean, of it more than this. At the Academy Awards. And I don't know. He, it's weird because he initially just laughed it off and then he got up. There was a delay. I mean, again, you, like you were saying, there seemed to be something off about Will Smith and, and terrifying. And there are clearly people on Will Smith's side who are trying to have us move on from that and uh, As they rationali should. rationalize and then look forward to him in his next movie. Well, uh, and I think Rock, I think Rock, to his credit, moved on from it fairly quickly, turned it into he, a joke of his own and was did. like not not playing the victim perpetually on this. He, he did. My sister saw him do stand up shortly after the incident. And he, you know, he brought up at the very beginning, he's doing fine. Everything's fine. Did not get into, you know, the whole thing. And he didn't do his whole material and stand up based on the, the incident. He just sort of moved on. So you're right about that. I do hope that there, the reaction to this column in The Root is more in defense of Chris Rock than Will Smith. I hope. I just, I just like that in our culture, it's like, let's try this again. Let's try to justify this again mm -hmm. on the year yeah. anniversary. Because there was an attempt to justify it before. Yeah, like, that, it that's right. Yeah. That, it doesn't matter that he makes mean jokes, guys. You can't hit him. That's not how that works. No, and it started. And you remember somebody tried to tackle Dave Chappelle. And, it became, you know, yeah. it was all you were almost beginning to think, is this just going to be a thing from now on? It's bad enough that a lot of comedians like Jerry Seinfeld say they don't want to do college campuses because people find it so offensive. They don't like the jokes. Everything is so politically correct now and now it's taken to the next level which is not only will i boo you i'm gonna get on stage and assault you i'm not going to assault anybody even if they keep my kids out of a restaurant i believe oh, you have something hey something special for us to end on yeah we started yes, with yes, the menu yes. and we're gonna end with this oh that's good which is somewhat less dark that's right okay mary Catherine. so this this was news Near and dear to my heart, I feel very strongly about this. I actually have mixed feelings, but let me tell what you listeners what happened, which is a couple of weeks ago, there is a sort of well-regarded restaurant in New Jersey called Nettie's Spaghetti. Nettie's Spaghetti, or House of Spaghetti, it's in Tinton Falls, which by the way, if you're from Jersey, you do not say Tinton Falls, you say Tinton, just saying, much like Trenton. And they just finally said they've had too many incidents in their restaurant with kids running around wild, running into waiters, holding big trays. It's kind of dangerous that they just decided to institute a new law saying no kids under 10 allowed. Okay. Huge uproar, as you can imagine, in the community, on various Facebook pages and chat groups, whatever, on both sides. <laughs> Did I date myself by saying chat groups? I see chat. smiley. Yes, they <laughs> The one on yeah, 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 the Yahoo, the you know, the yes. AOL chat group that I'm in. Yes, of course. They were very they were very upset. I was on my AIM last night. <laughs> okay. So at, anyway. At Nettie Spaghetti ninety five. Thank you. How come they haven't responded? Okay. <laughs> Maybe it might be my Errol's account that's out of mm -hmm. date. Okay. So GeoCities. That's what Geo it is. GeoCities, GeoCities, excited at home. Okay. So they're very upset saying, how dare you not allow kids? And on the one hand, you know, parents have a point. You have a well-behaved child. You come in. What are they going to do? ID your kid? Your kid doesn't have ID. Is it just a, uh, a spot check? It clearly doesn't look like it. How do you, right. bring, you gotta bring in a birth certificate? There's no way to prove that. Okay. I understand. I understand that. That's ridiculous. Nettie's, however, has apologized to those parents saying, we know 
lot of parents do come here with very well-behaved children, and we're sorry for them. But the fact of the matter is people cannot have a relaxing dining experience when you have kids running around. It is unfortunate that they have to come up with this rule saying no one under 10, right? On the other hand, parents, we talked about this in previous episodes, Mary Catherine. You bring your kids to practice restaurants early on just to teach them how to behave. Yeah, you, you know? gotta you gotta train them up to Nettie's spaghetti. You tra- okay, like well, you don't okay. you don't. That's not an entry level event, right? Apparently, it's not. So here's my here and and, you know, and and I can totally picture up in Jersey, hey, kids. You know, I'm gonna have my veal parm now, and I'm gonna have my wine. I can't be bothered. Just go around, run around, come back here, and then your dinner's ready. And I'm just gonna go eat. That is horrendous. Don't let your kids run wild in a restaurant. If kids are acting up, I would take them outside, walk them around, look at the aquarium, whatever they have. So here's my theory, and I know, Mary Catherine, you have thoughts. Let me just say, my theory is this. Perhaps Nettie's was, in the view of many families, more like Chuck E. Cheese and less like Le Le Bernardin. Mm -hmm. And maybe Nettie's wants to be like, you know what? I want to be a serious restaurant now. And we want to have it where the the mood is more like, you know, like Artie Bucco's place in The Sopranos. Nice and calm. Wonderful. Okay, then you can let kids in if they're well-behaved. But until then... We can't do that. And they're trying to make this transition from practice restaurant to fancy restaurant. I don't know. I think it's unfortunate, but I respect that rule because you can't, don't have your kids run around wild. What do you think? So here, here's what I think for me. I think you have to think about this from a capitalist point of view. So how much brand damage are you doing by saying kids can't come and people getting ticked off, right? Right. Versus. Versus <laughs> how many people might you get who are like, ooh, a kid-free restaurant without yeah. maybe spending, you know, the the $4 signs on the, yeah, on the, the yeah. menu. You know, when right. you get the That's little right. preview of how much it's going to cost, who want to be there for a more peaceful evening. I yes. think, look, there are, there are restaurants where you can let the kids have a little more free reign, right? And there yeah. are even good places that welcome that. For instance, a lot of people in my generation like to take children and dogs to breweries because a brewery often off- offers outdoor seating oh, yeah, that's with places to run around. Some of them even have playgrounds nearby yep. to give you an experience with your kids that doesn't require you to be super stayed and for them to use their silverware correctly. Right. So I think there are places for that. And if you're not in the place for that, you need to not be doing it. And so if they want to make this rule, I hope they get all the childless millennials they want in there. <laughs> and also, by the way, and also parents who are guaranteed a kid-free night if they go out to the restaurant, right? If they That's pay right, for a sitter, they don't want somebody else's kids coming uh, after them. <laughs> no. Reasonable <laughs> like, prices I, and reasonably I, quiet. I do think there's a bit of risk of like backlash of a, of sort of like, this is a scroogey attitude. You know, I think that's the, that's the risk you run for, and for a spaghetti place, that might be a problem. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, when you think of fancy restaurant, Nettie's house of spaghetti is not a name that really just jumps to mind. You know, this is their hard reset. They're rebranding. This is, this is, it's a, it's a big one. It's a big risk. And they're going to, they're going to be La Bernadette. That is the plan. Right. Yeah. No, I think, but I I do think the, the, the rule applies. You, you got to train those children up. You got to take them to the early restaurants Mm -hmm. and then you gotta, then you gotta, you can advance them as they, as they get better, but it's a progression. That's right. And I, I, and again, I think you're right because like a lot of breweries that, that you mentioned, are perfect for this. 
You right. Know, it doesn't have to just, be Chuck E. Cheese. No, no, know? no. It doesn't have to be animals, you know, or when I grew up, the ground round, just throw your peanut shells on the floor, okay? It doesn't have to be animals. You but, know, speaking of places the EPA should be checking regularly, Chuck E. Cheese is really... <laughs> you should just like, you know... Like, I don't I don't trust the science here. I need another no. test. No, don't, don't, yeah, anything you can touch, just assume your kids are going to come home with a cold. Okay. <laughs> That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can follow me on Twitter at Victory Nomadis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thank you for being here. This is the best way, unlike Vic's way, to get hammered responsibly. <laughs> this is a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs>